Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. My guest this week is Sarah Hawks. Sarah is one of my dear friends. We've known each other for several years. She's a wife, a mom. She's a pediatric oncology nurse. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story of God's faithfulness as she went through the difficult loss of her mother. Sarah is just full of wisdom, and she's such a sweet soul. And so I am just excited, and I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. So without any further delay, here is my interview with Sarah Hawks. Sarah, welcome to The Faithful Podcast. I'm so glad you're able to join me tonight. Hi. <laughs> How are you? How's your day been today, Sarah? It's been good. It um it wasn't crazy hot. It wasn't cold. It was nice. We got to play in the backyard. Yeah. I have two kids, so I'm mm-hmm. not talking about just playing around by myself in the backyard, but yeah. with my two kids mm-hmm. in the backyard. <laughs> um so that was nice. Yeah, and, and it's January. So how many places can you be having a nice kind of warm day in January? Like, thank you, Houston area. <laughs> exactly. Right. Even though my son did ask to see snow today. Oh, and I gosh. said, sorry. And what a we disappointment. Live in <laughs> yeah, we, that's not we only see it <laughs> just a tiny bit every few years. So that's disappointing. <laughs> well, maybe. Then, maybe. Maybe what? Maybe when you're 10. Yeah, maybe at some point, yeah. Um, I am so excited to chat with you tonight. Um, I'm so excited just because you're a dear friend of mine and you are somebody that I think has an amazing story to share of God's faithfulness. But before we get into all that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, My name is Sarah Hawk. I have two kids. As I already said, I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. They're Irish twins. Um, I have a boy. The oldest is a boy and then a girl um, named Ellie. And my, and I'm married, been married for like seven years. Um, And I'm a nurse. Although for the past two years, since I had my son, I've been a stay-at-home mom, but still keeping up my license. Um, before that, I was a pediatric oncology nurse for 10 years, wow. which is crazy. It did not feel like 10 years, but <laughs> for 10 years, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I did as a nurse. So pretty much everything else, um, I don't remember anymore, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I think that your background in pediatric oncology is just I mean, the blessing that you were able to be to so many families is, I mean, it's incredible. That's thats such a tough job. Um, you know, nursing is hard all around, and working in the medical field is always challenging. But you went headfirst into a field that is filled with a lot of hard stuff. And I think that says a lot about who you are as a person and just, you know, God's call for your life is that you've— You've embraced difficult things, and you've brought, you've seen joy in them, and you have, um, yeah, you've been a blessing to those around you because of that. Thanks. Yeah, it was a very difficult job, but I, I did enjoy it and was blessed by it, even though it was hard. Yeah. Well, can you tell us how you came to know Jesus? Yeah, um, I... I was raised in a Christian home. Um, it's funny because that always used to sound very, almost a little bit boring <laughs> to me, <laughs> like, not having like the big conversion story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we like, um, well, I, I know someone who did have a big conversion story and he's like, you shouldn't ever like, you know, just like have any disdain for that because, um, you know, it's a good thing to have been raised up in the faith, you know. Exactly. Um, but so, yeah, so I was raised in a Christian home. And from a really young age, my parents told me um, about the Lord and prayed with me and uh, taught me the Bible. And just from a really young age, I felt drawn 
the Lord. Um, I just, I knew he was real. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we had talks. We, <laughs> um, I was, I was baptized when I was eight, um, by my dad, um, which is really cool. Cause, um, although my dad and I don't have the greatest relationship now, um, I love to see that, that God worked and like works good through my dad in spite of, yeah. um, all of the issues that we all have sometimes that God is able to still use that for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my dad taught me a lot in the faith and then my mom, my mom taught me a lot. She's the person that I feel like, uh, taught me my faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. So, um, so anyway, from a young age, I felt drawn to the Lord. And, um, as I got older, just started to grow in that and learn more about that. And it just feels like your relationship with the Lord just kind of, um, I was thinking about it. It's almost like, it's like a camera lens, like, Mm. like a zoomed out, like, I don't know if I can say this right, but it's like your relationship with the Lord as a kid, it seems very like zoomed in on you. Okay. But then like, as I got older, it was just kind of like, I started to see more of like big picture. Like yeah. as I got older, just starting to see like, you know what, this isn't about me. Like mm-hmm. the, the life is not about me. Yeah. And like, just having that realization of like, and it wasn't like God was getting distant. It was like, God was showing me his faithfulness to me in like my piece of a big picture, you know? And just like, mm. I think that's kind of what happens to us with our faith as we get older is just see how big he is and how small we are. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, so yeah, that was a long answer, but yes, the, I was raised in a Christian home and taught the Lord from a young age. Mm. Well, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a similar way and I always sort of wish that my story was a bit more spicy and exciting at times, but, um, (laughs) I'm really thankful for, being spared from a lot of the stuff that um, some people I know went through. And, um, you know, God is, shows kindness in that a lot of times. And so that's that's really awesome. Um, you know, you shared about your mom being sort of the main one to sort of, I guess, point you toward Jesus in so many areas of your life. A few years back, your mom was diagnosed with cancer. And... I, understandably, that in itself is a pretty crazy thing to go through. Can you tell us um, just sort of how that went down and what happened after? Yeah, um, it's really crazy, the timing of it all. It was just kind of bam, 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 thing happened, thing happened. Um, I It was around the time that my husband and I found out we were pregnant with our first child Mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant like around the time that we found out she had breast cancer Mm. and um so that was strange um and then also around that time my parents got separated um which just added to the mix of everything so here I was having a baby for the first time um and then my mom going through chemo and my mom going through a double mastectomy and and the separation and um, just constantly, my mom, like we were always very close. Um, She was always the person that I talked to about everything. She was, Mm -hmm. she was the person who just taught me so much. Um, I've just got like little glimpses of conversations with her my whole life that just are just greatly influenced things that I still believe to this day, you know, and um, she was a very wise woman and I just, yeah, there was nobody closer to me other than my husband, Mm -hmm. (laughs) than my mom. Um, And so because of that, I just didn't really think that I would ever lose her. Um, It was just like one of those, like, your mom's always there, you know, and she always will be. Uh, So it was just one of those things. But I was also so busy, like, (laughs) I don't know, like, we, my husband and I, we work with youth a lot and uh, we always knew we wanted to have kids. We love, I've always loved kids, yeah. but um, 
I didn't realize how hard babies are. <laughs> and so, like, we both, like, had this, um, we both just had this, like, shock of an experience of, like, oh, like, there's no sleeping and, like, you're, it, this is hard, you know? Like, mm. I, I always tell people, I'm like, I really wanted to be a mom, but, like, I always pictured being a mom to older kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I never pictured, like, like being up in the night and like breastfeeding and all this stuff that's, that's demanding, you know? And so like I was, um, I was figuring all that out with a newborn and then got pregnant again. Um, and so around the time it was actually, well, they're 12 months apart. So we hit a year, which is when in my head it started to get a little easier is after a year. Mm. Um, and we hit a year and started all over again. So then in the middle of all this, my mom was going through chemo and a mastectomy. Um, I also, and separation, like I said, um, I also, like my husband was a youth pastor at the time. Um, Now he's a, just recently, now he pastors adults Mm -hmm. more, but um, has always done youth and college ministry and um. But at the time, like youth pastors, like their busiest season is the summer. Right. That's just the way it is. School's yep. out. You're going on youth trips, uh-huh. all this stuff. And it just so happened that both our babies were born in the summer. Yeah. So like, like the start of the um, summer, basically, right? <laughs> yes. The start of the summer. So yeah. my husband, he he really wanted to be there as much as he could, but he still had to travel and he still had to go on these youth trips. And Mm -hmm. so my mom came and my mom came, she didn't, she lived in Dallas and I live in Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, And my mom came to Houston several times. Like every time Adam went out of town, she was here to help me. And she came like in the middle of chemo, in the middle of her surgery and, she never once complained. Mm -hmm. And I know that like people probably don't believe that, but it's just, it's just who she was. Like she didn't, she was a servant and Mm -hmm. she loved really well. And she considered it a joy to be helping me with my kids. And that's all I really knew. I didn't, I, I look back at pictures of her now and she was just so tired like I can see the tired looking at her, but I was pretty caught up in my own tired and my own crazy that I just didn't really notice at the time. And I mean, one of, she came, she came really close to her mastectomy time. Like she still had drains mm-hmm. and she traveled to Houston to help me take care of my babies with wow. like drains coming out of her chest, mm-hmm. like, and never complained, you know, like mm. she was just, she was, um, she was just a real servant and loved really well. But um, it was definitely just a chaotic time. I didn't really have time to like stop and think about the fact that um, my mom was going through all this or that my parents were separated or just all this stuff that I didn't see coming because I was just trying to like, (laughs) like have energy to make it through the day and Uh like, sleep and all this stuff with my babies so um but it was a good time to have with her um because she did come so often when Adam was out of town and I got to spend all that time with her um with my babies and I just have a lot of treasured memories from that Mm. but um well here I am already I'm getting teared up with you Sarah this is, that's, um, you know, your your analogy that you gave earlier about the zoomed-in camera lens, I feel like that's really, you were kind of in this moment of when you had your babies, or first baby, I guess, to start with, but you sort of have to be zoomed in on that. Like, it's you and that baby, and... um just surviving in so many ways. I mean, you don't have anything else extra to give. And what a blessing that your mom is like, I mean, even though she's going through difficult stuff, she's she's coming at it from that zoomed out view of like, mm-hmm. I'm here to care and to nurture. And I'm sure in a lot of ways, like 
that was probably really good for her to not, you know, there's, there's, it's always a good thing when you can not focus on your own suffering too much. You know, I know Mm -hmm. it's not to say that you should just like, you know, act like it's fantastic all the time, but when, when you're a servant and you're somebody who loves to be a care, a carer, it's great. You're, you come alive when you're able to do that. And so yeah. I'm sure in a lot of ways that was really special for her to be able to do that and to not think, I'm just going to stay here by myself in Dallas and deal with this difficult stuff. Like, I'm going to go spend time with my daughter and her her new babies, and I'm going to teach her how to be a mom. And I yeah. think that's that's beautiful. I think that's really special. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that you're – your background is in pediatric oncology. So you're, you were, prior to this, seeing patients dealing with cancer on a regular basis. So how, what was that like to hear your mom say that she has cancer and then to walk through this with her knowing what you know as a nurse? Yeah. Um, that... That was interesting too. <laughs> um, it was also, it was, what was weird about it was that like, um, I, in pediatric oncology, there isn't really breast cancer. Right. So um, I had seen so many different kinds of cancers, so many different bad kinds of cancers, like quote unquote bad, like cancer is bad. You know right. what I mean? But like, um, there's just a lot of different kinds and, and honestly, I mean, as ignorant as this is, I honestly, my first thought was like, oh, okay, well, like it's not going to kill her. Like it's, it's breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, even as I say that, I realize that that is really ignorant, <laughs> you know, like, and I know that more than most people at this point, but yeah. like at the time I was just kind of like, okay, well, it's not like because I, I dealt with leukemia on a regular basis. I've dealt with lymphomas. I dealt with bone cancers and brain cancers and just all this, just all this stuff and, um, Mm. and kids and families dealing with it, um, for so long. So in my head, when I heard the word breast cancer, it was not a death sentence to me. It was like, but I was aware more than anyone else in my family of what that meant for her as far as like the road that she would be traveling down of um, just chemo and surgery and potential radiation. And like, I did know those things Mm -hmm. and I did know what that does to you. And like, even though in my head, I wasn't like thinking I'm going to lose mom, like at this point, I was knowing that this was going to be really hard for her. And, um, Just because, I mean, like, I'd say the number one thing that pretty much everyone says is one of the worst things about chemotherapy is, um, I mean, obviously nausea is bad, but I think fatigue is one of the worst things. And um, just because it's ongoing all the time, just this fatigue, this tiredness that you just can't shake. And like, so that and the nausea and the just everything I knew <laughs> that it was going to be that hard for her. Yeah. Um, even though in my head I was like, oh, but she'll, it'll be a hard road, but she can do it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it, we can do this. It's fine. Yeah. Plus she got like a good prognosis of breast cancer. And like, um, that was hard too, because although I know medical things, I wasn't super familiar with um, like the specific type of cancer as breast cancer but I was still able to like help her with a lot of those concepts and everything. But, um, but that was hard because in the beginning I still didn't see it as like this would take her. And it honestly wasn't until, so just a little backstory on that. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer around the time of my first um, child that I found out I was pregnant with. And then went through all her treatment. And then it was last. No, it wasn't last. 
it's been a year. It was a year in January that she passed away. And um, this was a year a couple weeks ago. And um, so it was the Thanksgiving before that, that we found out that she had a tumor in her brain and that her cancer had metastasized to her brain. Mm. And um, it was like a golf ball size or something crazy like that. And my mom is such a tough person that she had had symptoms for a while and just thought that it was like headaches or something. Um, Mm. But anyway, so it was around Thanksgiving that year that we found the tumor. And even then, like, it was just like, I just didn't let myself go there. Um, It was strange because like, there was this part of me that like medical part of me that like knew what that most likely meant. Like, yeah metastasized breast cancer to the brain like I I knew and I must have known because like I called Adam crying and like he came home from work like like that day and was just like with me but like Mm -hmm. still in my head it was like I wasn't gonna I wasn't it just didn't even occur to me that she was really gonna die you know like and like so it was just this strange it wasn't until yeah they found the tumor around Thanksgiving Um, and like immediately she went to brain surgery and had it removed. And then like, and then like after that, they just kind of like monitored and she was supposed to start radiation. And even then we're all still thinking like, oh, we're going to do radiation. Like she's going to get better. And it was, um, Christmas day that year that my sister took her into the hospital because she was just, she was just getting, um, she was not herself. And ended up in the ICU and was in the ICU for a few weeks. And and it was Christmas Day. All of us, there's four of us, my siblings and I, and we all are married. Um, and three of us have kids. And um, we were all, we were all with our in-laws at Christmas. Mom was with my youngest sister and her husband who were newlyweds. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my younger sister took her to the ER and was with her the whole time while all the rest of us were out of town. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking this whole time, like, like, Oh, she's gonna, you know, there's, she has a UTI or something. Why, why can't these doctors like figure it out? You know, like, I don't know if it was like denial. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's yeah. just this weird, just this weird case of like how, when it's happening to you, you still can't really see it. Like, mm-hmm. Or what it is. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. You know, like I think God has his reasons for everything. But anyway, it wasn't until I saw her, um, I got back in town and went straight to the hospital to go talk to this medical team and like try to figure out what they couldn't see. You know, like I had yeah. all these ideas of what they were missing and we were going to talk through the treatment plan and all this stuff. And I walk into that ICU room and I took one look at her. And I knew, and it was like, it wasn't until that moment that I knew. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to lose mom. And I just like, I'll never forget that moment. Cause I just like stood there. I had my six month old with me because I took her to the hospital with me. Cause I was like breastfeeding. And, um, anyway, and I just, my, my sister took her and I just stood there in shock and like, it just so happened to be like doctor rounding time and they came to the door and they had been expecting me, the daughter who's a nurse and all this stuff. And they're like, you want to join us for rounds? And I'm like, I'm like literally deer in the headlights. Like, I'm like, I, I'm just like following them out of the room. They said some things. I think I contributed to the conversation. They were going to do a spinal tap. That was the only thing I could think of. They hadn't done and they were going to do it that day anyway. So I, I talked, but like, yeah, it was just, crazy it was that moment that it was like wow um so I think there was just this weird dynamic of like being medical and like knowing what everything meant but still having to like come to grips with it myself um it was hard um yeah so it was just crazy and then it was almost it was like maybe a week and a half, maybe after mm-hmm. that, that we like um, turned off her in, um, ventilator mm-hmm. and said goodbye. But it was yeah. just crazy. 
was like none of us saw it coming. And there, there were four of us. And like I said, kids and my mom was, um, my mom was a wonderful mother. She, she always loved children. She was one of those people like my, my grandma, like wrote in this book for us about my mom being that, that kid who would go to the nursery just to play with the kids. Like it was Uh what she, she just always loved children. She was a teacher. Um, and she was like a mother figure to so many people. Um, and like all of her teachers that she worked with and everything, they just loved her. They're actually going to like dedicate a tree to her in their school, um, in like the school library, it's like an art tree. But anyway, so she, uh, loved children and she loved her grandchildren a lot and uh that and she was a great Gigi is what we called her but um the oldest kids were uh, the oldest is 10 um and then there were mine that were the newest so so while I was having to deal with like the sadness that my kids wouldn't remember her yeah um my older brothers and like my brother's kids are having to like miss her you know, and just, that's just crazy. Like that, just how grief can hit so many different stages and so many people are in different places, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just spanned all of us, but it was definitely a crazy time. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, with you becoming a mother in the midst of all this, um, how, how did that, how did that affect the grieving? Yeah, (laughs) I, uh, this, yeah, this is probably, this is like what I've been learning over the past few years, right? This has been my life for the past couple of years. It's, um, it's a lot. It's been hard, but also good. Um, if that makes any sense, I, no, totally. I've already said, um, yeah, (laughs) I've already said my mom was like my best friend and just that she taught me so much, um, and she was my rock. She was like my double, my double check for everything mm-hmm. that I did. And, and like for, for anyone who's had like a baby um, with them or whatever, it's like you, you second guess yourself all the time. I think mm-hmm. any parenting, like it doesn't yeah. have to be a baby. You second guess yourself all the time. Yeah. And, and I always second guess myself anyway. I was an overthinker like my whole life. Mm-hmm. So and mom knew that about me and she was just my person who I was always going to go to. And she was going to, you know, like, mom, is this, is this right? Is this right? You know? And so, and she knew me the best. She taught me my faith. You know, if, if it can be taught, it was my mom yeah. who did it. And she taught how um, to live it. She what? She taught how to live it. Yeah. I mean, you yes. can teach that for sure. Yes. Um, but she, but my mom would be the first to say that the Lord is the one who raises our kids more than we do. Um, she was literally always praying for us. And um, just, I think she just was aware that um, like her in and of herself and like their marriage would fall short of perfection for us, you know? And just that like God was gonna have to, work to bring about good in our lives. And, um, just like, I don't know, this is just a silly example of this, but she, uh, she, my mom says that she had like a temper with us growing up and like, but I don't remember my mom losing her temper like ever. Like, so she thinks, and and that gives me a lot of hope, you know, Like, like she credits that entirely to God. She's like, he wiped it from your memory. You only remember the good things. It's cool. You know, but, so um, that being said, she just, uh, yeah, she taught me a lot about being a mother just by modeling it. But, but there were a few, there were a few things that the Lord has taught me through motherhood um, mm-hmm. just from early on, um, just a few different lessons and just like to list a few, like, I think, um, I think one of the first lessons I learned as a mom was just how little control you actually have. Yep. Um, I think that it's just like parenthood in particular is just very much like you realize that you don't have as much control as you think you do, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like 
almost simultaneously with that, um, the Lord was just teaching me that literally all good things are from him. And like, um, that is in, that's a verse that I was always pretty familiar with in James. I think it's James 117. Um, and it just says, do not be deceived brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Um, and I've always loved that verse, but like it started to mean more to me um, as a mom, because like, just as like an example, every mother of new babies like is aware of SIDS. Mm -hmm. Um, So like every time you put your kid down at night or every time I put my kid down at night, um, just this awareness of like, I can't keep you breathing. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't make sure that you're going to be okay in the morning. I can't. And then just almost along with that, just realizing that like the fact that they're breathing, the fact that they have good health, like that, that all of those are good things from the Lord and like just how many good things there are around us every day that we don't notice, you know, like that we, it's just so much easier to notice the, the bad. Yeah, Um, definitely. And so that literally all of those good things are from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, so those were, those were some of the big lessons that motherhood was teaching me. Um, And then, yeah, I'd say the other one is just like um, servant leadership, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word. But I think that was more from the journey of me becoming a stay-at-home mom um, as opposed to working. Um, that was a really hard transition for me, and I won't get into all that too much. But just the learning to like, um, learning that there's beauty and strength in not being noticed mm-hmm. um, and not being celebrated um, like that the things you do count, even if they're not big things, you know, right. um, so to speak, quote unquote, big things. Yeah. But there was a bracelet I gave my mom for Christmas right before she passed away that said, um, do small things with great love mm-hmm. because it just reminded me of her. It felt yeah. like it was just the, the what she did well, you right. know, and um it's funny because when I bought that bracelet, I kind of wanted to buy myself a bracelet like it, but I didn't. And then I gave it to her and then I end up, it's mine now and I get to wear it every day and um, mm. think of her. But so just those, um, those are some of the lessons that like motherhood was teaching me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I don't know, like just like the Lord taught me those things through motherhood and my mom was the most obvious model for me, like, but he taught me and, and he is the one who gave me my mom. Yeah. And like, he was still with me. Like, Mm -hmm. even though my mom wasn't like the Lord was still with me and the Lord was the one who did good things through my mom, you know? And like, and that he was going to raise my kids and, and not just me, (laughs) you know, like, um, and so I think, that was, that was the beauty in all of it. Like it was, I'd say the hardest part is just like thinking about how they won't remember her mm-hmm. or like, you know, all that stuff. Um, that's obviously very hard. Um, but like, I, for some reason, just in the past couple of weeks, Micah has started like asking about her more, mm-hmm. I think. And he's only two, but I think he can like still remember a little bit. And so, um, but anyway, I think, I think like the beautiful chaos of mothering babies and toddlers was yeah. actually really good for me in the grieving process because it was a distraction, but it was a good distraction. You know, right. like it was just like I I was doing something that reminded me of my mom, mm. um, and like the grief moments which um, happen, like, and I think they always will. Like those always happened at like the end of the day when the kids were in bed or it wasn't like, I didn't have time to think about it all day long. And it wasn't because I was like, you know, burying myself in work or something like that. It was because I was doing something important. Um, But yeah, I'll uh, probably talk more about those grief moments later. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it's really neat that you brought up this idea of every good and perfect gift being from the Lord. That's been hitting me a lot lately. Like I, I mean, I think part of my personality, I, I generally don't worry too much, but when I do, I can really like spiral <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, okay, I feel like <laughs> I like I can be enjoying a moment and be like, what if this kind of moment never happens again? And mm-hmm. um, those kind of things are like, what if all of us are never together again like this? And like, and I when I have those moments lately, God's been like showing me like, this is a beautiful moment that I have orchestrated, and if this doesn't happen again, I'm still good. And also we grieve because those things because of those great things that God has done. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we grieve the loss of people because of the impact on our lives that they've made. And you know, if they're a believer, we know that there's hope beyond this life for them. And so they're not suffering. You're not really crying for them. It's all it's it's kind of a little, you know, it's a pity party to some degree. It's you know, it's it's me having to lose this person that's so special, or maybe it's a situation that you're in that you're grieving that that's not going to be the case anymore. But like the reason that we grieve is because something was so good and it was from the Lord and it was, and those kind of things have been coming to me a lot lately. And so the fact that you brought that up is I think really applicable for a lot of us is like, we, we don't deserve any of the things that we're given. God is really, really kind in so many ways. And so those, those wonderful people in our lives and um, those wonderful moments in our lives, you know, we need to hold on to them and be thankful for them. And in the difficult times, remember that those are a lot of the times the difficult times are shaping us into who we Mm -hmm. need to become and who God wants us to be. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's super important for us. Um, so, um, what 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 do you feel like was the biggest unexpected blessing in this time? Hmm. Well, there were a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah. There was. There were a lot of little things that were big to me at the time. I mean, we were. It was create like um, just a little bit more story about. It, um, my, my mom was lived in Dallas, but she was visiting Houston, um, for Christmas Mm -hmm. and she was in like Conroe Woodlands area when she was hospitalized. So she was at the Woodlands Methodist, um, in the ICU there the whole time, Mm -hmm. um, until she passed away. So I, and I'm in Sugarland. So anyone who like knows Houston knows that that's not a super close drive. Yeah. Um, and we, when we got back in town, Adam had um, a college trip a go on, to go on. And still, like I said, at the time that we got back in town, I, I truly didn't think that this was as serious as it was. So, so I told him to still go on his trip. So he went and I ended up going to the hospital every day, like driving up there, um, coming home at night, putting the kids to bed and, so that meant that I had I had a really good friend named Aaron mm-hmm. who uh, who dropped everything mm. and came and watched my children all day. Um, I had another good friend named Linda who mm-hmm. um, came and brought she brought blueberry muffins because they're my love language <laughs> and <laughs> and I think chili and wine and, <laughs> and a hug, you know just yeah. like just little things that were big things. And then, um, and then the day, um, the day that we actually plan, like we planned, we were going to turn off mom's life support and we were going to say goodbye and everything. Um, we had people, we were actually staying in, um, in the woodlands at that point. And we had people drive up there to watch our kids, um, while we did that all day. And just people who did all that, like for free for us, like that that was all really good yeah. um, ways that the Lord showed himself. And then, um, and then I think just like I said earlier, like um, just the gift of motherhood and like my children yeah. um, 
was just a really big like metaphor <laughs> for God's faithfulness to me um, during all this. Like I, I kind of already shared that I wasn't really a baby person yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that before I had babies. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't love my kids. Of course I love my kids <laughs> and everything. I just, I, I honestly didn't start really enjoying motherhood until we pat like until we got to like a year mark. Um, yeah. And, but at that point I was, I was like starting to enjoy it more. I was starting to like, your kids are starting to like interact with you more. And like, um, I don't know, like seeing the gift of seeing the world through the eyes of a child um, is just like irreplaceable, you know? Yeah. And like, I, the, like the forced lack of hurry <laughs> for yeah. any, you know, it, it's just like, um, there's a really good quote I saw recently. It's like something like, you must, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And yeah. I think it's someone named Dallas Willard. Who oh, I yeah. don't know. Who that is. Yeah, yeah. You do? Yeah. He sounds smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like that quote because like, in the world of toddler, like you can't be in a hurry. Like it's just mm-hmm. not, it's not really possible. So like this forced, um, this forced having to slow down and like enjoy my kids um, and see just the goodness in that um, was really, really good for me um, at the time. And then there were just so many things that like in hindsight, I can see God's faithfulness in also, but you don't always notice those at the time when you're like walking through the actual um, valley <laughs> and yeah. you're just like literally trying to take one step at a time. But um, but in hindsight, there were so many good things. The biggest of which um, is that my mom passed away before the pandemic. Yeah. And um, I didn't, like none of us knew that it was even coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was January. And then it was around March, at least in Texas, that things started shutting down here. Um, and like just the entire process of like being at her deathbed and everything would have looked a lot different um, if it had been a few months later, even, you know. Yeah. So that was a huge blessing. And yeah, it's just crazy. Mm a lot of good things in the way that God was with us. Um, I just really, I don't know. I had never really known before that you could like, uh, you could like, I knew that you could, but like the experience of walking through sadness, but like knowing that God was with you, Mm. it was just very, very obvious. Like we could, we could feel him walking with us through um all of it even though it was sad even though it was hard um he was with us and those little things that all lined up and helped it was just yeah so what helps you to stay faithful in a hard time sarah um i think the biggest thing is remembering that god is faithful Mm -hmm. um I like even maybe even the specific ways I I didn't really say this earlier, but um, I was a, when I was a pediatric oncology nurse, um, which means that I took care of kids with cancer. Um, there was a lot that I saw um, that was hard in that there was um, I think in the process of losing my mom and, you know, in the phases of stages of grief, so to speak, like you, I came in a little bit later in the stages than maybe the rest of my family did because I had already dealt with the unfairness of death. Yeah. Um, so to speak, like I, I have been at many different deathbeds and it's not, Mm. it's not good and it's not, and especially when it's a child and it's, it's, um, and there's parents and there's siblings there that are watching their child suffer. And um, I've been there far too many times. And um, 
just over the 10 years of doing it. And you, you can't do that job without having hope. Yeah. You can't do that job without having like, um, just an understanding, understanding of like that death isn't fair. Death isn't like what mm-hmm. death isn't what God had intended for us, you know, like, um, and separation isn't what God had intended for us. Yeah. And so in all of that, in my morning as a nurse, in all of that process, I had come, I had like, I had like lament songs. Like, I don't know if that sounds crazy to some people, but like mm-hmm. when you deal with stuff like that, um, you have to have a way of like pointing you back to God's faithfulness. And on like particularly bad days, I would go home from work and just sing these particular songs that just meant a lot to me. And one of them was, um, one of them was, uh, it's called Small Enough by Mm -hmm. Nicole Norton. And um, it's like, just lyrically, it's an amazing song because Mm -hmm. it's basically, um, it's basically saying like, this is really hard. And, um, but it's taking you back through like all this history of how God is faithful. And it's literally going through like, like Bible stories of like how God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. And, but even though this is hard and it's just like, Oh great God, be small enough to feel me now, like be small enough to feel you now. Um, And so that was one of my songs. And then, you know, I've got some other ones, but just like, I think that's really important. Just remembering God's faithfulness because like um, we aren't the faithful ones, you know, yeah. like he is. And I think that's what's so crazy is that like um, going back to like being a kid versus an adult um, and just how the Lord like matures us in our faith. Like um, as a kid, I remember reading these Bible stories about like the Bible heroes, so to speak, like the, mm-hmm the Samson and the, um, you know, Samson's the first one I can think of, but like he's painted as like this Bible hero when you're a kid. And I, I don't know. I just remember like learning about these Bible heroes. And then like, as I got older and I'm reading these stories and like, these, these people are not great. (laughs) And it's just funny because like, as a kid, I remember, I remember having this lens of like, oh, how can we be like these great people in the Bible? And it's really not the point at all. Like the point of the Old Testament isn't how great these people are. The point is how great God is in spite of how messed up we are. Yeah, (laughs) And it's just like person after person of how, God is faithful, even Mm -hmm. though we're not. And like, I think, um, I think, you know, like just remembering that is the biggest thing. It's bigger than just me. It's bigger than just my family. Even it's, you know, it's like throughout history, God has kept his promises to his people. Um, And, you know, seasons, different seasons and different feelings in life, um, change they they come and go so I think another really good thing to do is to just have um good habits that you build up that's what I've learned over the years of like because the habits are what's gonna like help us be faithful even when we don't feel like it you know like even when the feelings aren't there but you can still this is just remember who God is remember who God is like make it a habit in your life and um like set up good honest friendships for yourself and and the biggest one for me is just pray that the Lord will keep your eyes on him mm. because he's the one who does that <laughs> you know like it's not it's not because I in all of my goodness and not greatness and all that stuff like I can't do that but um just trying to daily pray that the Lord will keep my eyes on him. Um, And yeah, I'm practicing gratefulness has always been a really big one for me too, because that goes back to the every good gift being from the Lord thing, you know, like all these good things going on around us all the time that we, you know, we don't notice. So train yourself to notice, like teach yourself to like, and, and and ask the Lord to show you those good things 
and then give him praise for them. You know, like, Mm -hmm. thank you that I slept well last night. Thank you that I'm breathing right now. (laughs) You know, like just all the little good things that we just don't notice. And I think that's another thing that kids are really good at teaching you to do Mm. um, because they see little, little things. Um, Yeah. So anyway. Those are all my tips, I think, on yeah. <laughs> remembering how faithful God is. You, you know, when you're talking about that song and songs of lament, I I was thinking, have, are you familiar with the story behind it as well, with my soul? I think so, but I might be getting it confused with another one. Okay. You should <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I had to, I have to kind of remind myself of pieces of it, but um, it's, by Horatio Spafford, Spafford, I think is how it's pronounced. But he, you know, lost um, at least I think like a son or two in the Great Chicago Fire, and it bankrupted him as a lawyer who was very successful. And then at some point, his family was crossing the Atlantic Ocean without him. He had to stay behind for some reason, and basically. All four of his daughters were killed in a shipwreck, and his wife was the only one who made it out. And yeah, um, they he went to meet his wife basically, and they passed the area where his the ship had sunk basically, and that's when he was inspired to write the song. And I'm like. Oh my gosh! Like I, I even telling this story, and I've I've oh read that so many times, and that song just, you know, like I think when you know the story behind something like that, it it kind of connects you, and it's but it's similar to reading like the Psalms when you're grieving, and um, yeah. just knowing, you know, when like David's son died, you know, and he went through this incredible loss. And just grieving over his own sin, even like I mean, he understood grief, and um, and I think that your your ideas of you know being grateful, but also like I think giving yourself those moments of grief, like I mean, how whatever that looks like for you, um, mm-hmm. I think music is a big part of that for for me too, and just like maybe crying like a a fool for a little while to get a good cry in and then yep. like pointing, you know, those songs that point you back to Jesus um, are so beneficial. Like it's, this is terrible. This thing we're going through is so hard, but, but God is still faithful and mm-hmm. God is not faithful, you know, only if your mom lives through cancer, God is still faithful. And, um, think that's that's really important for all of us um yeah um it's crazy that you say that because um yeah that was one of the big revelations that the lord showed to me during the process of when she was in the hospital and just living in that tension between like i know that god is able to like miraculously heal my mom Mm -hmm. um but that doesn't mean that he will yeah um and just living in that tension, which I've I'd had to do before because of all of Your my patience and, and everything. Yeah. Um, but like just living in that tension with my own mom and the Lord just kind of brought me to this point of realization in the car or in these long drives that I would have to and from the hospital, where this realization that it's not I'm not trusting ultimately I don't trust in an outcome. I trust in who God is. Right. You know, like in spite of an outcome, you know, like and and so it's just like, you know, like Lazarus, Lazarus died and Jesus cried and, you know, like grief is is totally OK. Um, mm-hmm. But like we have hope in Christ because ultimately Lazarus died again. Right. You know, but he but Amen. he lives <laughs> in. Yep. So it's just, um, yeah, our hope is definitely where we always need to land. So I I love that. Don't trust in an outcome, trust in who God is. I think that's that's so it's so simple but so profound and I think that that 
that comes from grieving with hope. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that um, your story is a, a true testament of grieving with hope. But um, as we kind of like wrap, wrap things up, is there anything else that you wanted to maybe share with people to encourage them with? And, um, or anything that maybe you want to say to someone who might be grieving or just anything, you know, here's your, you got your, you got your chance, Sarah, say, <laughs> say whatever the Lord's laying on your heart. Yeah. There is so much. I, I know. Uh, I think one of, I think one of the big things that I want to share with people who are grieving um, is that it is okay to feel all the things that you're feeling um, and to let yourself feel them. And I think I didn't realize how important it is to just say that to, to maybe even believers in particular um, until like some of my family members were, were telling me that they, they almost felt like um, as believers, they almost felt like people thought that they, didn't have enough faith if they were sad. Mm. Like it was like, if they talked about being sad too much or whatever, that they must not have enough faith. And like, they were, they were being made to like feel that way. And it made me, it made me just really angry because it's like, um, it's not true. You know, like God, brokenness exists, sadness exists and it breaks God's heart. And you, and you are going to have those grief moments. And, and in the beginning, they're not just moments. Right. They're, they're all the time. And yeah. then gradually they become moments. And they don't, I've been told that they don't stop. They still haven't stopped for me. But I've been told that they yeah. don't stop. And, and you need to let yourself have those grief moments. Um, the key is not getting, you know, it's okay to experience your emotions. It's not wrong. You just can't stay there. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think that that is something that the Lord does for you. And I just, um, I would say to people who are um, just like grieving right now that like to ask him to help you, um, just ask him to help you. Like yeah. if that's all you can do right now, then just say, Lord, help me. Yeah. You know, like, and he's going to meet you where you at your, you are and give you what you need for that moment. And, and for me, even though I had these moments where I would just miss her so much because I, that's what I was left with, right? I had already dealt with the unfairness of death and like all that jazz. So, so the place that I was left was just the fact that I miss her and yeah. nothing can make that go away. You know, like mm-hmm. someday I'll see her again, but until then I miss her. And yeah. like, there's nothing anyone can do about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, um, so that's okay. But at the at the end of my grief moments, the Lord always ended me in hope. Yeah. And I think that's something he, that's what we, that's where we naturally go mm-hmm. when we have the hope of the Lord. And And that hope in those moments for me was always like, just gratefulness for her life. Like so many, just back to that, like all good things are from the Lord. Like so many, so many people don't have a relationship with like that with their mom or don't know their mom at all, or don't, you know, just like, and just grateful for her life. Grateful that I had her grateful for the things that he showed me through her. Um, And that for me was the hope that I landed on literally at the end of all these grief sessions. And that wasn't something I just, I'm, I made myself do like God got me there. Mm -hmm. And I think I know that in your pain, just ask him for help and he will meet you where you are and give you what you need. Um, And for, yeah, for people who are um, trying to help someone who's grieving. Um, I would say, you know, like, I think it's hard because we all want to be fixers, you know, like we all want to make people feel better Uh and, and you just can't make people feel better. You can like, you can bring them gifts. You can, you can bring them, you know, by all means, bring the food, offer to watch the kids do all those things. Those are all wonderful. Um, But just, you know, maybe get rid of the idea that you can make people feel better. Mm. And, 
I think one of the best things you can do um, because everyone's different. Like for me, I wanted to talk about my mom a lot, like, because that's just who I am. And it helps me to talk about her. And I think for a lot of people that's true, but I don't think it's true for everyone. So, but one thing I think might be universally true that would be helpful is just to be available um, because people go through things at different times and sometimes it takes a really long time um, and sometimes it doesn't. But like when the Lord brings that person to your mind, like there's a reason for that. So say a prayer for them and shoot them a text and say, hey, I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you and I'm here if you need to talk, you know, like, and it's not like you're and, and mean it. Don't just like text it and like not mean it, but like, <laughs> but be available yeah. if they want to talk. But mm-hmm. I think those moments where the Lord brings people to our minds, those are, those shouldn't be ignored. And a lot of times you probably do pray for them when that happens, but also send them a text and tell them that you prayed for them and that you're thinking of them. You know, um, that, that really is helpful, I think, to pretty much everyone because at some point they might want to talk and yeah. it's good to know that you're willing to listen. Um, so yeah. Oh, and I do really want to share one scripture that meant yeah. a lot to me. Through Go for it. it. <laughs> I, since you said I have the floor now and I'm finishing it up. You know. <laughs> um, By all means. But I just thought this was crazy. So I, I decided to journal about, um, the journey of losing mom um, after after she passed away. And I just picked up this journal that I had had for years and like never actually used yet. Uh-huh. But when I ha- got the journal, I had written this passage in the front of it and then put it on a shelf or something like literally years ago. Uh-huh. And I just picked up this jur- journal because it was perfect. And it the, the front of it says, find a joy in the journey. And I just started using it. But the passage in the front became like my new life verses like okay and um, for all the things we've already talked about but uh-huh. it is psalm 37 3 through 6 um and it says trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Mm -hmm. And that just became my anthem because it was just like, just trust, right? just do good, just dwell in his faithfulness. Uh And like, he's doing good all around you. Notice it, praise him for it, and you will see his faithfulness Mm -hmm. and that's just where I try to live yeah. <laughs> on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk tonight. It's been it's been great. Um, there's there's so much hope that you offered to people that are are grieving. And I think it was really good. Um, a lot of the things that you said about, you know, the stuff about wanting to fix people or maybe not fix people but fix their emotions and to fix their pain and I mean I I always want to keep things lighthearted generally in my life and I think that that um well I would not generally think I'm trying to fix them the thought came through my mind that like wow how arrogant of us to think that we could fix a pain that's so deep like that's where Jesus comes in and we are there to be ambassadors for Jesus, but we are not the ones who fix that pain. Um, and I think that that was, that was really good. And I, I just, there's so many good things that you shared today. And I really, really appreciate you just taking the time, especially having two little ones and um, being a wife and just serving in so many different ways, um, just taking the time out. It's been a huge blessing to me and I hope it is to so many others. Me too. Me too. It was so encouraging to hear Sarah share of how she saw God's faithfulness even in the midst of grief and sadness and the loss of her mother. 
I really loved her quote about how we should trust in who God is rather than the outcome. God is still faithful, even if things don't turn out the way that we want. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you enjoy the Faithful Podcast, please leave me a rating and review. Reviews help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. You can find me at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Thanks again for listening, and remember to stay faithful, friends.